0: Here's how I want to begin. You know, I I think it's so easy to misread people, that it's so easy to make judgments and assumptions about people, and that there's something about about sitting down with someone and, and listening to them and learning about their life that gives you a much cleaner perspective on who they are. And it's so often when, when you sit down and you, and you listen to someone's story, you get to know about their life and who they are. It just has this way of, of opening your heart and all these other emotions can, can come into your life, like compassion and respect and just being willing to sit down and listen just has this way of doing that. I'll give you an example. You know, I grew up in, oh boy, I didn't do this well. Um, I grew up in small town Kentucky. And the reality is that, that no one was, was really homeless there. At least like the, there's homelessness here in this city that we live in. Growing up, all I had was, was stories and assumptions about what I saw on, on TV, what I saw in, in movies. And, and the reality is that I'd never really encountered someone who was homeless. And yet I had them figured out before I even moved here. I knew who they were and, and how they got to where they had gotten. And then there's this crazy thing that happened in 2004 when I moved to Nashville, there's this really amazing church um, called Green Street Church. And, and they do this ministry on Wednesday night where they literally drive around the city and they, and they find people who don't have a place to live and they bring them to their church and they serve them this warm meal. And, and they're taking care of this, uh, this, these people in our city. And, and I remember going to this and I was sitting down across the table from this man named Mark. And he begins to tell me about how he, how he had become in the, the situation that he found himself in. He starts to tell me about his, how he lost his wife how he lost his career, how he ended up where he was. And there's something about sitting down and just hearing someone's story that has this way of just kind of opening up our hearts and shifting our perspective that speaks into our assumptions. Easter Sunday is is this day that, that Christians all over the world, not just in America, but we, we remember and we celebrate that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And this is very significant to us as Christians. But before we jump into his resurrection and, and why it's significant, I want to just just share a, a few things. And, and one of these is just very on, on a very personal level. I know sometimes you, a lot of you don't know me. I don't, I don't know you. And so you kind of come in here and, 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 and I just want to just kind of let you know a little bit about who I am. You know, this... This week, I've just been asking, like, Lord, Jesus, help me to love you. And here I'm supposed to be the, the, this pastor, this person that has it figured out, this person who just lives in this constant place of just ecstasy and love for the Lord. And the reality is I look at my life and I'm going, Jesus, I, I need you to help me love you. Like this week, this was a part of my, my prayers, coming into to prepping for today. I was asking Lord, hey, would you, would you stoke the affections in my heart for you? know if you're married you see this or if your friends are married or you saw this in your parents man you in marriage you go through seasons where where you you just realize that you've been overlooking your spouse you realize that you've been taking them for granted you go through seasons where you're not close where you're not connected where where you're more like roommates and and you realize it and in that moment, you have the choice to, to do something about it, right? And so if you're smart, if you wanna keep your marriage, if you wanna fight for your marriage, you, you do something about it, you get them flowers. You plan a special night. You get away. And, and, and I've realized as I've come into this week that, that in so many areas, and I've been overlooking Jesus, taking him for granted. And so this week, I've just been asking, Lord, would you you help me to love you and appreciate you? Jesus, help me to know you, not just know some things about you. I wanna know you. I wanna love you. I wanna live for you. And so this morning, before we jump into the text, I I felt compelled that that I wanted just to share a little bit about who Jesus is. About this man that that this day is, is all about a biography, if you will, from Brandon's perspective. So it's gonna be flawed, not perfect. So give me some grace. But we come into Easter Sunday and I know that we're all in different places with Jesus. I just wanna share a little bit about who he is. And so Jesus was born a couple thousand years ago in the midst of the rising Roman empire under this man named Caesar Augustus, who was in charge of the entire world as we knew it. Jesus' mom was named Mary, his father was named Joseph. Jesus was the firstborn, he was the oldest. He had several siblings, both brothers and sisters. We don't have much documented about the early years in Jesus' life, but what we do know from Luke chapter two is that his parents were, were Jewish and they, and they kept their religion very seriously. We know from the scriptures in, in particular, Luke chapter two, that, that Jesus grew up and there was an, uh, an, an interest in the scriptures. That he he loved to, to hear the word of God being read and taught. We know from the scriptures that Jesus was a good kid. And we know that, that people enjoyed being around him. The scriptures say that he grew up in the favor of people. When Jesus was about 30 years old, he was baptized in the Jordan River, which is in the Middle East, by one of his relatives, this man named John the Baptist. And this, as we can tell, was the official start of Jesus's ministry on earth. He spent the next three years of his life traveling around what is modern day Israel, Syria, Jordan, and Lebanon, or Lebanon, right? If you're from here. (laughs) Jesus never, I think this is fascinating, he never traveled more than 60 miles from his own hometown. Jesus never wrote a book. He never had a picture taken of him. Jesus never started a war. He never led this this victorious battle. And yet his life lives on. His influence lives on. The question of did Jesus exist isn't even really disputed. For it is accepted among people of other faith backgrounds, Muslims, people of Jewish descent, historians. In fact, there was this... um, One of the most um, credible um, sources, this man named Josephus was born four years after the death of Jesus. He grew up and 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 he wrote about Jesus. This Jewish man that had no vested interest in following Jesus. But he acknowledged four years after his death that this man, Jesus, actually lived. There's not really disputes that Jesus, if he lived. Jesus chose 12 men that would travel with him, that would share in his ministry. And many others, including women, would travel with him and follow him. The ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, included miraculous healings where people who were blind, people who were paralyzed, people who had even died had been raised back to life because of Jesus. His ministry, his life, his heart was marked with extreme compassion for people. That you notice that when Jesus would see hungry people, he would use what he had to feed them that Jesus was always willing to go with people. He was always willing to entertain their questions, to to sit down with them at their table whenever he was wanted, whenever he was welcomed. Jesus taught much. In fact, much of his teachings were written down by two people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus's life, this man named Matthew and this man named John, both who have books in our Bible. Two others who either interacted with Jesus personally or who had close connections with people who interacted with Jesus personally. These men named Mark and Luke also wrote accounts. Jesus, his teaching, his favorite thing that it seems from the scriptures to talk about was this kingdom of God. And when he talked about the kingdom, he always associated that as, as a good thing, as good news. Jesus made many claims about himself. In fact, one of the things that he claimed that is quite controversial is that he says this in John chapter 14. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus didn't claim to be one way among many to get to God. The idea of coexisting was counter to the teaching from Jesus's mouth when he says things like, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ told his followers that he would be mocked, that he would be insulted, that he would be spit on, that he would be flogged, that he would be killed in Jerusalem. And that three days later he would rise and Jesus of Nazareth was crucified on a Roman cross. And his body was taken off of the cross and laid into this tomb by this man named Joseph of Arimathea. And Christians believe because of the declaration of Jesus himself, because of the testimony of the scripture, there's this quote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that says that there were more than 500 people that were together and at once saw Jesus. Can you imagine that that more than the people that are gathered here today, that Jesus showing up and so that it wasn't that that Jesus just showed up to one or two or three different people. It says that a crowd was gathered and the people saw him in his post-crucified resurrected state. And so Christians, we gather here today nearly 2,000 years after his birth and his death and his resurrection because of what he has said about himself, because of what the scriptures say about him, because of faith, because of experience. And we come here this morning claiming that Jesus Christ is alive. That he's come back to life and he's still alive today. I'm struck right now at the frist There are artifacts from the ancient city of Rome and and the the Roman empire. The same empire that completely dominated the world that Jesus grew up in. In fact, the, the, the Roman empire that was growing and expanding when Jesus was born, when he brought the kingdom of God. And the kingdom that was once so pervasive, that was global, that covered every inch of the world is now relished to simply artifacts. This kingdom that no one thought was going to be overthrown, that no one thought was going to be taken down is and now you can, you can walk through the frist and, and view these artifacts in the kingdom that Jesus started. That seems so small, that seems so insignificant at the time. He's now leading this church that globally is one third of the world's population, 2.1 billion people claim Christianity. And I share all this with you because I believe in Jesus. I believe that everything the scripture says, I I believe that everything that that I've experienced, I believe that the things he tells us to believe are actually true, that one day each of us will stand face to face and we will see Jesus Christ. But the reality is that, that each of us, we get to choose what we do with Jesus. And I don't know where each of you are this morning but I think it says something about what God is doing in your life. And my prayer for this week has been, God, would you, would you come into this place? Would you, would you be among us? Would you help us to see you? And, and, and I've just been praying that, that God would be in our midst today, that he would be working in our hearts, that he would move, that each person that came here today would encounter the, the living Lord. And I've just been asking, yeah, but, but how will I know if that actually happens? Like, how will I know if, if Taylor encounters the Lord this morning, if Ginger encounters the Lord, and if Jacob, how am I going to know if, if Joey encounters the Lord? Like, how am I going to know if, if each of you come here and encounter the Lord? And the reality is, I won't. But the fact that you came here this morning, that you're giving the Lord a chance to work and to speak and to move in your life, says something about what God is doing. I know that we're all in different places with Jesus. And that's the beauty of a family is that you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers to be part of a family. You come as you are. And there's not this expectation that you, you know enough and, you, and you've done enough. No, that, that you just get to come into this place. And that's the beauty about what it means to be in Jesus' family. Come as you are. I love the story that, that Keila just read. What I really love about the story is the progression that we see happening. The women showed up at the tomb. And you need to hear this. They, they did not encounter Jesus at the tomb. They did not experience Jesus. What they did encounter was, were two men in really white clothes and it spooked them. And the men looked at them and they told them that Jesus wasn't there, but that he was alive. And I, and I wanna mention this because I think it is, is important. I think this is, a, is your experience for some of you. Listen to this. If you've, if you've zoned me out, if you've tuned me out, come back. Listen to this. Your life has been about showing up to the places that you thought Jesus was. Church, young life, your campus ministry maybe even in your personal life. You heard that if you pray, that God would meet meet you there and yet your whole experience has been watching others tell you that he's alive, but you've never experienced him personally. And if you're honest with yourself, you come here this morning and you're having a hard time believing. And I wanna encourage you, if that is you, keep going. Don't give up. The story keeps going. I I, I love the way that, that it keeps unfolding in verse nine. This is what it says. says, when they came back from the tomb, when the women came back from the tomb, they told these things to the 11, to the apostles and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the others with him who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And I love this. I love this, Peter, because because this is a lot of you. You look at your life and some of the things that have been happening, and maybe you haven't even been able to name it, but something is happening in your life and you can't seem to make sense of it, but the reality is that you can't let go of it. That if you could step away objectively, what is happening is that God is just pulling you to him. And I don't know what that looks like for all of you. (laughs) But for some of you, it's it's, it's probably something like this, man, your your kid, the the way that they love Jesus, the way that your kid wants to spend their summers serving the poor and and working in different countries, and there's something about their life that you look at your kids and you go, man, there's something about the realness of God in them. And God is using your kids to pull you to him. For some of you, it's the exact opposite. Your, your parents, man, faith hasn't connected in your heart like that, 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 that you can't make sense of it, but you look at your parents and, and their faith is everything to them. And it's not just talk, like the way that they treat the, the way that they treat people, the way that they treat their coworkers and their employees. You look at their at their life, and you don't believe in Jesus, like you you haven't quite come to this place where you accept the resurrection. But you look at people around you who who have and who do, and you're going, man, there's something about their life, and God is pulling you to him. Others of you, you keep having dreams. Or you have people in your life that, that keep talking about Jesus and, and there's something about your heart and it's just being pulled closer and closer to Jesus and you can't name it and, and, and you don't know what to do with it and you're like Peter, you're standing in the, in the tomb and you're, and you're looking at these clothes and you can't make sense of it that God is calling to you and you haven't been able to make sense of it yet. The story's not over, it keeps going. Verse 36 in Luke chapter 24 It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? He gave them a piece of, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things and I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in this city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And what I love about this is that this is such a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. That Jesus doesn't delight in playing spiritual hide and seek with you. The reality is that this is what it feels like for some of you. That God is always hiding and you're always looking, but never finding. And I don't know why this is happening, but what I do know is that Jesus, he isn't just about giving you an experience with him. That Jesus isn't just about giving you a moment to prove that he is real. I was struck by this passage in John chapter 12 this past week in verse 37. It says that even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe. And it's so easy for us to to come to God and say, God, if you'll just prove yourself, I'll believe. And Jesus' earthly ministry was proof that that's not true. That people saw Jesus do unbelievable things, and yet they still chose not to believe. You see, when Jesus started his ministry, Mark chapter one verse fifteen tells us that he began with these words. He says, "The kingdom of God has come near." repent and believe this good news you know for me this is when things began to change when I began to realize that when Jesus showed up it wasn't just that the kingdom of God had come near but that the king himself had come near To understand that when Jesus showed up on earth, he didn't didn't stand far off from us at heaven and, and tell us, hey, just get your lives together. He doesn't look at us and say, hey, just quit sinning and do everything right and then we'll be on good terms. No, Jesus came near to us. And he died and he died for us and he died for us so that we could be on good terms with God. And when I began to realize that this Jesus he wasn't just some historical figure and he wasn't just one religious figure among many. When I began to realize that, that Jesus is alive, that despite all of my sin, all the things in my life that, that, that I did, all the things in my life that I'm still currently struggling with, right? Because no matter where you're on your journey, you still have things that, that, that you slip into. You still have struggles. You still have places of sin and temptation, and when I started to realize that, that all of my sin and all of its ugliness, all the lies, all the, all the pride, all the lust, all the jealousy, all the gossip, when I realized that, that, that despite all those things, I was still on good terms with God. And it wasn't because God just overlooked them. It was because Jesus chose to suffer and to die for my sin because he didn't want me to be separated from God. That's what sin does. And when my heart began to grasp this Jesus, things changed. You see, because it's not just that that Jesus was alive and he's always been alive. There's beauty that he he, he was alive in heaven and he came to earth and he died and then he rose again. And the the reason that there's beauty in that is because for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we get to participate in that same life, both now and forever. And so right now, our lives are completely different because Jesus not only died because he got out of the grave. And here's how it impacts us right now. It means that because of Jesus, the old life, the person that you were, Dale, person that you were, Riley. The person that you were, David. The person that you were, Emily and Kayla. The person that you were, Riley. The person that you were. Because of Jesus, that person is put to death. All the things that you're ashamed of, all the things that you did, all the things that, that you wish weren't a part of your story because of Jesus, those things are put to death in God's eyes. And it's not that we're just forgiven and freed and given a clean slate. We get to live new life. It infects us now, it affects us later. It means that, that we don't have to be fearful of, of dying. You know, the songs that we just sang, there's, there's so much about that, about Jesus swallowing up death and him overcoming death. And the reality is that, that, that death is one of the most fearful things for people. That we spend all this money and all this energy trying to prolong death, trying to, to make sure we don't die. And, 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 and there's something about death that just terrifies us. But because Christ rose, when we are in Christ, we too will rise. We too will rise, nothing to fear in death. My wife, Courtney, and I, we have three little kids. I'm almost done, I promise. And, and every night I pray for my kids that they will become followers of Jesus. And something clicked the other night. I was, I was praying for them and I, and I realized that, that I don't just want them to become Christians so that we'll be together in heaven. Like, don't get me wrong, that's amazing. But I want them to be followers of Jesus because I realized that it will bless their life immensely now if they will follow Jesus. That following Jesus is the absolute best way to live this life. I go, it is is so fun to talk to God and to hear from God. God is invisible, but God speaks clearly. And there's no joy like hearing from God. Like when you hear God, when you hear God's voice speaking to you, when you realize that, that God sees you, that he knows you by name, that he cares about you, that he cares about your struggles and your pain and your heartache, did you realize that, that God actually hears you, that he has something to say? When, when we will stop long enough to listen and when God actually speaks into your life, there's nothing in this life that compares to when God of the heavens, the creator, the almighty, the victorious, the loving one, when he starts speaking and you start hearing. It is so fun and I want that for my kids. It's so fun living the way he tells us to live. Man, to be forgiven by God. I'm telling you, I have a a rough past. I started like dabbling in sin at a very young age. And I spent a lot of my adult life being fearful of people finding out and being scared of what, what would happen if, if I was being honest, that God actually knew my sin. And there's something happens when you begin to understand that God doesn't want you in hiding. When you understand that you are forgiven of the things that you've done and who you've been, man, this, that your life, your heart just experience this lightness, this, this freedom. Following Jesus is the best way to live. Man, to forgive people, to not hold grudges when they hurt you, to be kind and to bless people when they step on you, when they embarrass you, to pray for their well being, to be a generous person and to share with those in need and not to be greedy and stingy, for the greatest purpose in your life, not to be to retire young and to have seven houses. (laughs) But for the purpose of your life, being that, man, we get to take this good news, that God is alive, that God is triumphant, that God is loving, that God in 1 Timothy 2 says that he wants all people to be saved and that God doesn't keep that good news to himself, but that he tells us, hey, Sarah, you get to spend the rest of your life telling people the good news. And Adrian, you get to spend the rest of your life telling people the good news. I'm going, can you even fathom a better life? It's the reason I stand up here and preach. It's the reason I've given my life to Jesus. The reason I've devoted my life to ministry is because I care about seeing people come to know Jesus and the fact that he lets me share in sharing the good news. There's nothing better in your life. And the best life that you can live on this earth is following Jesus. Verse 50. When Jesus led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while Jesus was blessing them, he left them. He was taken up into heaven and they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Do you realize that I wrestle with the questions? I have these questions that, that come through my mind all the time. I mean, what, what if Jesus isn't real? And what if all of this is made up? And why doesn't God choose to be visible? (laughs) And if you have those questions, man, you're in good company here. Because I sometimes have those questions too. I think I need to answer this question before we leave. What does someone have to do to be on good terms with God? You come here today and you're going, man, I I, I just want to be on good terms with God. What do I need to do? Just tell me what I need to do. And the scriptures have a lot to say about what it means to to enter into this life with Jesus. But for today, the place that I think he's inviting us to step into is this place in belief. You wanna be on good terms with God? Believe in this God. That God through Jesus loves you. That his desire is to be with you forever. And that caused him to enter into this life to suffer, to die and to rise again. I'm going to give you some homework this week. You're like, this sucks. You're not supposed to give homework at church. I agree. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, though. I want to challenge you to do this. I want you to create a place to meet with Jesus this week. I don't know your assumptions. I don't know what you come into this place believing about Jesus. And I've just stood up here for 30 minutes and told you about what I believe about Jesus. My invitation this week is I want you to encounter him yourself. So I'm going to ask you to do two things. This week, I'm not going to set a time limit on it. But if you're serious, if if you go, man, I want to be on good terms with God. I want to know if God is real. I want to know who he is. Two things. I want to invite you just to, to spend a few minutes reading the Bible every day this week. I encourage you to start in Mark chapter one and just read one chapter each day. If you don't have a Bible, take a Bible home with you and just begin to read for yourself the life that Jesus lived, okay? So the first thing I'm gonna invite you to do each day this week, just spend a few minutes just reading about Jesus. Second thing I wanna invite you to do is to pray. Prayer can be so intimidating and so crazy because we're talking and we don't see if God is hearing us. And it's not like talking to Douglas, like I can see his expressions and see if he's, and, and, and we're just essentially just throwing up words into heaven. We don't know if they're even landing, but here's what I want to invite you to do, that your responsibility this week is just to pray. And I'll give you some, some ways that you can do that. Just tell God things that you're fearful about right now. Tell God things that are making you sad. Tell God things that you're thankful for and let your prayer begin there and see what happens. It would be a shame for us. It would be an absolute shame for us if Jesus just wanted a few of us to know him. And he's not for those who who have it all figured out and he's not for those who have all the answers. He is for those who are honestly and openly coming to him, going, God, do you exist? That's my challenge for you this week. We're going to take communion now. Each week we do this as a church family. We eat a piece of bread and we drink a cup of juice and we do this to remember Jesus. And we do this because he's told us to do this. And so everyone is welcome to participate if you're here this morning. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're gonna stand up and you can walk to any of the tables with tablecloths on them that have a little cup of juice and a piece of bread in the middle. And you can come back to your seat if you want, or you can scatter around the room. You can take it by yourself if you if you feel comfortable doing that. But I really want to encourage you to, to take communion with the people that you're sitting around. People that you came with. And just answer this question. What do you need from Jesus this morning? Some of you come in this morning and you just need some comfort. You're going through some really hard stuff right now. And I want you to know that this is a safe place to talk about those things. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to pretend just to put a smile on your face act like everything's okay. No, the, the, the body of Christ, the people of God, we can handle your wherever you are, the things that you need. And, and I encourage you as we're taking communion to share those real things. Where do you need Jesus to comfort you? And you might need Jesus to give you strength for something that you're going through right now. You might just need Jesus to help you believe. And I wanna just encourage you to be honest as you're taking communion with people you came with. I'll pray for us and then we'll stand up and take communion. If you want prayer as well, nod on, there'll be some people on the back that respond banner, we'd love to pray with you. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for every person that chose to be here today. God, I pray that you would just keep drawing us to you. Thank you for who you are and all that you've done. And I pray that in this next time, you'd open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to believe in you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.